Welcome to The Signal Podcast, the podcast that raises your frequency. I'm Maury, purpose guide and founder of a transformation consultancy called 822 Group. I left my career as an executive at a global PR firm to live my purpose, helping leaders and businesses realign with their own purpose by reconnecting with their intuition. Through this work, I've really become a student of people's stories. You know, the things we tell ourselves that hold us back. And by accepting my own intuitive gifts, I've helped countless people recognize the power of their intuition and reconnect to their higher self. Hi, I'm calling to ask Maury a question about fear, specifically paralysis by fear. I'm thinking about times in my life that I knew I needed to either end or dramatically shift a relationship. I'm thinking about some romantic relationships, but also friendships where there were recurring patterns that made me feel devalued. Not even necessarily that the person was doing anything wrong, but just that something about our dynamic was no longer helping me move towards a bigger, more elevated version of myself. I'm thinking about how in some of those dynamics, my own fear of being alone or of abandonment or the ways that I use other people's love and affirmation to make me feel like I have value made it almost impossible for me to speak my truth in those relationships or make the shifts that I know I needed to make in order to grow. What do we do when we're so afraid of not being loved that we almost can't see our own value? I think that's been a really recurring pattern in my life. And sometimes the fear of not having that affirmation or validation blocks my ability to even intuit or sense what I might actually need out of the situation. Thanks. All right, we're back. Episode two. Exciting. Exciting. We just played you another question. Yeah, good Thanks again question. for all the questions being sent in. So let me throw it to you. What do you think? What, what Give us the brilliant answer we know we can get from Maury now. Oh my God. I love this question. I love the vulnerability of this question. I love the attachment of value to this question, right? Think about what the caller is talking about. They're talking about being in relationship and feeling devalued and their fear blocking them. If you listen to episode one, you heard us talk about the static that fear creates between you and the signal of intuition. And they just stated it so beautifully, this fear that if they walk away, they'll lose something or they'll be alone. And that sometimes it makes them stay in situations that are really smaller than who they are. That's how I would put it. I can relate to that. I mean, who can't relate to that? Who hasn't been in a relationship, whether it's a romantic relationship or a friendship or a working relationship where you're stuck in this dynamic where you know you deserve better, like you're bending to be with this person when if you stand up, you're so large, you're so expansive. I actually think that intuitively the caller understands and all of us that have been through that understand that our expansiveness is too much for that partner. Intuitively, we know that. And so we stay small so that we don't lose the other person. But let's, I really just want to dig into fear if we can and just start with really what they asked about, which is 
you know, how do I deal with it when there's fear happening? Remembering, first of all, that it's the number one blocker to this signal is really important. I really tell people to try and understand that fear is a part of you. And there's no part of you that's disposable. So to try and tell fear to shut up and go away is just going to make it want your attention more. It's like a little kid that's having a temper tantrum, right? And if you try to ignore it, then it's only going to get louder. It only gets sadder. Fear is really just sadness and grief. And so if you can give it the attention it wants, not by listening to it, but by just saying to it, I know you're trying to protect me right now. I know that this is about making sure I'm okay. Why is it trying to do that? Because through our lives as children, we have experiences that we take in and make about us. Maybe our dad didn't spend time with us. Maybe our parents got divorced when we were really young. Maybe our siblings weren't really close to us. My sister's nine years older than me. We grew up in two different universes for so long. She's currently my best friend. She was not when I was little. And I felt like I was constantly a hindrance in her life. And that created some belief systems in me that I was too much, that I needed too much. I needed too much attention, whatever it might be. And unfortunately, what happens is you take that and you apply it to everything. It's not only then when I would look at my sister that I would think that. I would believe that about myself in every circumstance. And so I think that it's important to understand that your fear is really built at a really young age and over time as a response to a negative experience you're having, right? And what it's trying to do, its purpose is to protect you. Can we have some grace for it? Can we understand that it's not evil? It actually is trying to love on us in this really twisted way that doesn't serve us anymore. But it's because there's a part of us, for me, it's this six-year-old who's trapped in this moment of, I tell my sister this all the time and she's like, this is so depressing, but I know the word to every single early 80s song. And I was born in 1980. It doesn't make any sense. And the reason is because she would sit in her room and play records and I would sit behind her door and listen to them just to be near her. That kid sitting behind that door needs me at 41 to see her and say, I see what you're doing. I understand that you want her attention. And I need you to know that that's not about you. She's trapped in her world of hurt because she's an immigrant kid whose parents are getting divorced. And she's nine years older than you. She's a teenager, right? So I think that now when I get triggered, people use this word triggered. I want you to understand what that means. It just means the five-year-old, the six-year-old sitting behind the door is trying to tell you, don't get stuck behind that door again, right? My husband doesn't feel like talking to me today. The six-year-old is the one that's like, don't get stuck behind that door. When I know maybe he's tired, maybe he needs an hour, right? So fear is about really making sure that you're okay. And if you can understand where it came from, and then you can give it the grace of saying, I know you're trying to protect me, but this is actually hurting me. Or but I'm going to try something different this time. Or but trust me and let's see how this goes right? Get into dialogue with that fear. And as you do it, it will dissipate. The second thing is that you have to understand that when you're caught in a dynamic where fear is telling you that you're in this relationship because it's safe, because you're being seen, because you're not alone, all of us, a lot of us have a fear of loneliness. 
right? So we put up with some subpar circumstances. Then what is your intuition trying to tell you that's scaring you? I was married. I have two beautiful kids from that previous marriage. I knew from a very, very, very early moment in that marriage that that marriage did not serve my best interest, that it was not for my highest good. But I didn't listen to intuition. And by the way, intuition wasn't telling me don't get married because I needed to have these two amazing kids, right? But when the time came that it was time to go, it took a while for me to tune in because the message it had was frightening. I say that intuition doesn't carry emotion. Doesn't mean you're not scared of what it says right? It could say something to you. You feel really calm. I always tell people, don't be afraid when I'm upset. Get afraid when I'm calm. Because that means I have made a decision that's clear. And that's how intuition is trying to speak to you. But if you are, you know, for this caller, what I really want to say to you is like, if you're attached to these relationships that are making you feel devalued, there's a chance that you're not hearing your intuition because you don't want to hear what it's telling you. And What I want you to know more than anything is that intuition's only purpose is for you to thrive. And so if it's giving you a message, it really, it knows that on the other end of this, you are going to thrive and it will be there to guide you through the even little micro moments as long as you can let go of whatever age self that is that's stuck in this relationship because it needs to feel seen or valued. So you talk a lot about exploring these feelings like that's step one where does this curiosity come from in you like where do you feel like that moment happened where you said I want to become a curious person and I don't know where the road's going to end but I know I'm supposed to go down it I mean ask my mom my mom would tell you that the thing that drove her crazy about me was why if she was going to I mean I I really think this is the way I've always been it's like if you're going to tell me something I need to understand why and I've always had this really intimate relationship with my own emotions. I've always been curious about why I feel a certain way. That doesn't mean that I always got the right answer. It doesn't mean that I always got it right or I knew right away. But the desire to understand it has always been there. I think as I've gotten older, I'm able to hear the answer without judgment or shame about, you know, being able to tell that story about my sister and not have it be a negative reflection of me or her. Whereas before, I think we hold on to our family secrets because we think it reflects shame on us. And in fact, the more you hear these things, there's a part of you maybe that you're listening. You're like, oh, yeah, I had an older sibling that made me feel that way. And then you can let go of that judgment. So I think for me, it was always this desire to understand myself in a way that didn't carry judgment. I really, you know, judgment as a side note, is our protective mechanism. It's when we're uncomfortable that we judge other people or ourselves. And I really, really try. It's hard. Everyone's judgmental. But I try, at least with myself, to just stop if I'm being judgmental and say, what are you judging here? What's happening? And then I tap into my intuition, right? I'll ask. I will ask a lot of questions from this signal from this radio tower, I will ask, what do I need to know right now? What am I getting triggered about? What does this five-year-old need right now? You don't always have to ask the big questions. Is this relationship right for me? I mean, you're not ready for that answer. I was telling someone this story the other day. I wasn't standing at the end of that aisle about to marry my first husband asking, should I get married? And my intuition was going to say no. 
right? Because I needed that experience to grow. But it's the micro questions, like what's right for me in this moment? What what should I be asking? What should I be focusing on? And why? This thing that, you know, your parents tell you is your kryptonite is actually your superpower. And why is important. I'm scared. Why? What am I afraid of? I'm afraid I'm going to be alone. Why? What does that mean? And then the other thing I tell people that I'm coaching about fear is, so the first step is grace, right? I see that you're trying to help me, but you know, you're hurting me. And then give it a job. Maybe you could go think about the way we could make this work. Or maybe you could think about a way that, you know, this could play out differently. The second thing is, I always tell my coaching clients, when they give me a thought that's fear-based, I tell them to bring me evidence. And what I mean by that is it has to be currently happening to you today. You can't tell me it happened to you yesterday. Now. I'm going to get fired if I tell my boss this. Is it happening? Are you getting fired? Then it's not real. It's an illusion. And so the way that you break that illusion of fear is evidence. This is where data is really useful. Is this real? Or is this fear? And if you cannot bring me evidence, then that's fear. And that's where you go right back around to, I know you're trying to help me, but you're hurting me. And I'm going to try something else. You talk a lot about decompartmentalizing stuff. Seems like fear doesn't compartmentalize itself. Is that true in the, with the people that you work with? That is fear paralyzed them personally before it paralyzes them in their career? Or is it career first? Is mm. there a pattern that you see? I think fear is unfortunately, the most prevalent emotion right now. I wish it was love because that's the antithesis. But I think we all are operating under fear, fear that's been implanted in us by other people, mostly. And so, no, it doesn't compartmentalize. It's everywhere. It's in everything that you do. You know, I mean, I can tell you as a mother, I have fear constantly that I'm screwing these kids up. And then if I'm in that state of mind, if I wake up one morning and my son is upset and I failed him in some way in my own perfectionist mind, then I do go into work with that same attitude. I do go bring that same energy into the workplace of, well, I'm going to fail because I failed at this most important job. That's fear. What's it doing? It's like, well, there was some suffering this morning, so let's not have more suffering this, you know, throughout the day. So I'm going to keep reminding you that you might fail so that you play it really safe. That's what fear wants. Play it safe, please. Do not put yourself out there because we cannot have this experience again. And actually, I go through this process with myself constantly. That's like, is this necessarily true? Am I going to fail with this client because I feel like I failed with Keon? And by the way, did I fail with him? Just because he's upset, is that failure or is that parenting? Does he need to be upset so he can grow? And we're going to talk about that, I think, in a later episode. It's about this, this notion of not making people feel comfortable all the time. Hey, Signal listeners. If you're listening to Signal and you're curious about how you can get in touch with your intuition to thrive and live your purpose, we have an amazing membership community called Society M. As a member of Society M, you will receive weekly video messages directly from me paired with custom-made exercises that are all designed to help you incorporate the lessons you're learning into your everyday life so that you can get back in touch with your signal and thrive by being connected to your higher self. 
You can check it out at morifontanez.com. And please make sure to share it with anyone in your life that you think could benefit from making that connection too. Again, it's Society M and you can find it at morifontanez.com. Thank you for listening. listener asked a personal, it seems like a personal question. It seemed like it was very personal. Do you get personal questions in your consulting that you do? Do do business leaders open up in that way to you and say, hey, I got to fix myself before I can fix my corporation or my team? Is that normal? They don't necessarily come at it that way. That That's going to be, I'm going to know I've resonated <laughs> in the world if people start coming to me and saying, I need to fix myself before I fix this team. But what happens is, you know, we'll start talking and it'll naturally occur. And I think for me, because I'm so interested in this self-exploration and this curiosity, if I can find a thread, I'll pull that thread. And I'm an empath, which means that your feelings are my feelings. Like if you're feeling sad, I feel sad. And so I can sense when uh, something comes up and this person who's, you know, supposed to be seen as highly powerful and on top of it, feel sad about something. And I'll ask about that sadness. And then, you know, I think before they know it, it starts to feel a little like therapy. I am not a therapist, but it starts to feel like that thing you feel in therapy where you can bring your humanity to it and just start talking. Um, And we always tie it back in. We always find a way to, like I just said, you know, tie the five-year-old sitting outside her sister's bedroom to, well, you're not trying with this person because you're afraid of rejection. And right, like I won't just let it be just vent. Let's figure out, okay, great. Well, what, how is that manifesting today in your life? How did that five-year-old show up and like I say, push you out of the driver's seat? But it's a process of getting people to open up. I, I want people to be more open. I hope that people, especially leaders, will really tap into their humanity and their vulnerability and the truth about all of their limiting belief systems so that they can encourage other people to do that. Is there something I can find at my tower if I go down this path that's too dark, it's too deep, it's too, it's unfixable? Do people have a fear about that? Yeah. And you know what? Again, what's intuition's purpose? It's to make sure that you and others thrive. Why would it want to paralyze you with information? that you can't handle. So back to my example of standing at the aisle. If I had asked intuition or my signal, is this the right thing right now? It would have said, walk down the aisle. Why? Because then there would not have been these two incredible children. I would not have grown. I wouldn't have stepped into my power. So I think that it tells you what you need at the moment in your pathway that you need to move forward, right? That's going to be different 10 years from now. And it's not going to tell you, you know what, at 1201 in 2032, you're going to get into a car accident and die. That's not beneficial to you. It's not allowing you to be present. Intuition wants you to be present because that is the only way for your soul to experience life. The only way. So as fear, does it, it, it triggers all these good things that could happen if you handle it right is the goal to get fear out of our life or to react to fear in a different way than maybe we have? How does fear trigger good things? I, You know why I'm asking you this question? Because I'll do these workshops with corporate teams and I'll say something like about fear and letting go of fear. And you always have that one person. Usually it is a male, younger Got male. It. Check. <laughs> Check. But this isn't, I'm just saying, this is just what's happening. Who will ask me that question. Isn't fear healthy? 
Well, a little bit of fear is really good because then it allows me to push myself harder, right? And I will ask them, how? Tell me how fear is healthy for you. I think the idea that fear is healthy has been planted into us by other people who want us to be fearful. Because then whatever they want us to do is more likely to happen. This idea that you need to like tune into your own truth, that's anarchy for organized religions, for institutions, for whatever, right? Like whatever system that teaches us things doesn't want us to tap in and let go of fear. It's crazy. Think about how many companies use fear to sell us stuff. Fear is productive when you're trying to sell something. Very true. Tell me a little bit about validation addiction. So I think that it comes up with this caller, right? This question of, well, I need this relationship to make me feel good about myself, or I need this person's view of me to shape my own view of me. They didn't say that, but that's what I hear sometimes. And so I've coined this term validation addiction when what I mean by that is like, look, as humans, we're always looking to each other to give us some guideposts, right? Am I doing a good job? Am I a good parent, worker, wife, whatever it might be. I think it turns into addiction when we're unable to cast a vision of ourselves without that, right? Where we're not able to see who we really are and what our inherent worth and value is without that. And by the way, it starts at a very young age, right? I was just reading this Toltec shaman's story about a grandmother who sits down with her grandson for lunch and makes him soup and says, you know, eat your soup. And the grandson eats half of the bowl and says, I'm full. And she says, no, to be a good boy, you need to eat that soup. And so the message in his mind is, okay, well, I want to be good. I want to be validated by my grandmother. So I'm not going to pay attention to my body that's telling me I'm full. I'm going to pay attention to this external validation that's telling me to be good, I should be eating more, which then carries on into his life. So validation addiction is this notion that You need an external source to tell you what's true about you. And what really exasperates this is social media, right? This notion that we're doing things for likes and shares and people to engage. And by the way, I'm guilty of it because I'm very aware that this is a necessary evil, that this is something that I need to make sure my message spreads. If my purpose is to heal people's suffering by reconnecting them to their intuition, then I need people to hear that message and I need social media for that. And I get caught in the trap of, wow, I just said something really, like I know I channeled that. That was intuition and that was a message for the masses. It'll get five likes. And ask my husband. It's like a whirlwind for half an hour after that because I feel like a loser. This is someone who teaches people about validation addiction. And I'm saying this because I don't want people to be hard on themselves. This happens. And for the caller, I think that this validation addiction probably is on overdrive, right? When they said in the call, it made me want to cry, when I feel devalued, I thought, wow, what a clear message you're getting from self that you are feeling devalued in this relationship, and yet you still value that person's perception and presence in your life over your own sense of well-being. Pretend I'm caller. Give me the big idea here that you want me to walk away from. I, I just... I'm on the other end of the line. Clearly, there's some hurting. There's some pain. There's some big decisions here. Give me this last kind of big push on how do I recognize the time that I should be making these decisions? You mentioned earlier, I can hear intuition. That doesn't mean I'm going to listen to it. So there's some timing problems with this caller's next step. 
How do I tap into when I should act? You need to take this slow. It's a process first of engaging with your fear to understand what it wants. First and foremost, what version of you, trace it back, is this stuck in? What is informing this, right? What is the origin? It's important to understand. How old was I when I started to feel like I wasn't valuable? And by the way, whose BS was that? You know, did my parent feel not valuable? Some people's parents, unfortunately, feel triggered by their children. (laughs) That happens. That's how trauma occurs. So the first thing is try to understand the fear. Engage with it. Don't make it disposable. It's a part of you. Figure out where it came from and take a 100,000-foot view of it from this vantage point so that you can try to heal that little part of you that is stuck. And then dialogue with the fear. I know you're trying to help me, but you're hurting me. What happens as you do this practice over and over again is that the white noise starts to dissipate. And then you will naturally find that the signal gets louder. And you will naturally find that you're more comfortable with the signal and what it's telling you. I tell people all the time, just because you have an intuitive thought doesn't mean you have to do anything with it right now. Stick it in your mind, leave it, and and you'll know. You'll know when the time is right. But as you do this work with fear and you engage with curiosity and love and not disposability, then you're letting go. And when you let go, it dissipates. And when it dissipates, the white noise dissipates. And then as you're getting these messages, remember, it should be calm. It shouldn't drain you. And as you're getting these calm messages, Trust yourself that you'll know what to do with them. You don't have to leave the relationship tomorrow. A lot of people call me with this. Well, like I know I feel like I've got to go. Do you have to go right now? Is this a decision you have to make today? Why? Who said that? I mean, in some situations it's dangerous. So yes, please. Right? But if you're not in physical danger, can you give yourself some grace and just let the intuition keep, took my intuition 18 months when I left my first marriage because I didn't want to hear it. So give yourself some grace and don't feel like you have to make a decision today. There are people that are going through very dangerous, challenging situations. So just to be crystal clear, what are things that they need to act on immediately? You know, certainly physical, but I'm sure you've come in contact with some things where it's like, you don't need to think about this anymore. You need to do something about this. Any thoughts there just kind of as we're wrapping up? Yeah. I mean, I, I have family members that this happened to in front of me when I was really young. And the first thing I want to acknowledge is that there's so much trauma in there that to ask this person to just make a decision is really unfair. It's really discrediting the storylines they built as children about what they deserved. And I don't, I think it's problematic to tell people like, just get your courage up and go. Come on. Then again, you're not looking at all these little parts of you. But yes, I mean, if you feel that you have the ability to do it and it's dangerous, then yes, absolutely now is the moment because your life is worth more. And you never know what you doing this will do for other people and what your life will create on the other end. And if you're scared, then try giving this intuition some trust and faith and ask it what to do. How do I do it? And know you're not alone because you always have this higher self with you. Hey there, thanks for tuning in to The Signal Podcast. 
You know, when I started this podcast, my hope was to help you walk away with a belief in your intuition and a clear understanding about how to tune into it. And I'm just so excited that you listened to today's episode. And I just want to make one small ask, a tiny favor. Would you please consider sharing this episode with someone in your life who you think could benefit from relearning to trust themselves? I think that they would appreciate it. And I certainly appreciate you. You can find more from me on Instagram at Maury Fontanez and by visiting MauryFontanez.com. This podcast is hosted by me, Maury Fontanez, and produced by Terra Firma Audio. I'd like to thank the talented team at Terra Firma, Casey and Jack, for being such amazing partners. Uh, our wonderful sound engineer, Jordan Newell, Lauren Hall, my amazing literary agent who's believed in my ability to talk about intuition, I think before I did, and my really amazing husband who is so supportive and trusts my guidance so that I trust my own guidance more and more. Our amazing four kids for putting up with all of the intuition talk that happens in our home and my family back at home. Thank you all. I couldn't have done this without you. Thank you.